Welcome to the Bob Siegel Show podcast on the Cross Global Media Radio Network. Visit cgmradio.com slash bob to subscribe on your favorite podcasting platform. If you've been involved with church for any length of time, either attending or especially if you've ever been in a leadership position, maybe as a volunteer, maybe on pastoral staff, if any of that is true, you've come to understand by now that churches are very preoccupied with numbers. Yes, numbers. How many are attending? How many are being saved? Now, of course, salvation is important. We want to see a lot of people saved. Those numbers are very important to keep track of. Attendance? Not so much. However, we need to all confess in the interest of full disclosure, I, who have been involved with full-time ministry for many years, many different types of ministry, a lot of them on campuses, a lot of them on other places, I too was always concerned about numbers. I'm not saying I should have been, but I would be lying if I didn't admit to my own concerns about numbers. And I've run the full gamut. I've been on both sides of the numbers thing. I was in charge of ministry where the numbers went through the roof, such as my local ministry that I did for five years at UC Santa Barbara, a ministry to college students. We started with nine people in my living room. By the fifth year, there were a hundred people in an auditorium, and that's not counting almost another hundred that came through our ranks and graduated over the years. And those are just local ministries. I've been an itinerant speaker, and of course, an itinerant speaker likes having a big audience. The bigger the audience, the more they laugh, the more you get energy. And I did preach to crowds of several thousands in an auditorium, but also churches much smaller, several hundred, sometimes only 50. And then in my local ministry at UC San Diego, I did a lot of the same things I did at Santa Barbara, but I didn't call the Santa Barbara ministry a church. I called the San Diego ministry a church. And boy, when you call it a church, people have very different expectations. People found it bizarre that on Sunday morning, instead of Tuesday night, we were meeting together. And they found it bizarre that it was all college students and we didn't have a variety of ages. Some people had trouble believing that we were a real church. The numbers were not as good there. The numbers were much smaller there. We barely ever had 30 or 40 at a time. Sometimes we do special events and special dramas and have a lot more people there. And interestingly enough, this ministry led many people to Christ, but not all of them joined our ministry, which was fine. And then out of those that did join our ministry over the years, they would graduate. The numbers were always small. So I've seen small numbers. I've seen big numbers. I have been on both sides of this equation, and it's allowed a little bit of objectivity. Well, how biblical is all of this concern about numbers? Where would the Bible come down on this? Well, actually, we see the Bible on both sides of this equation. You go to the book of Acts, chapter 2, very early in the movement of Christianity, this ministry under the apostles. It says, and the Lord added to their number daily those being saved. And of course, again, like I said, salvation is important. But Luke, the writer of the book of Acts, he's taking great interest in the numbers. And in that same chapter, he says some 3,000 were added that day. So some Sometimes the big numbers are a good thing in the Bible, but other times they're not. When God called Gideon to go to war to defend his country, Gideon got an army together and God said, the army's too big. We can do this with much fewer people. And when David, apparently for prideful reasons, decided to take a census of Israel, God sent him a prophet and rebuked him and chastised him and brought punishment upon him. Not punishment for his sins. Christ pays the atonement for our sins, but the kind of punishment that corrects. And David learned his lesson. He should 
shouldn't have been that concerned about numbers. One of my very first full-time, or I should say part-time jobs where I was in ministry, I was in college, and I had a part-time job as an intern at my church. It was a very big church, and I used to go to the staff meetings. I was involved with the college department. They'd go around to each department, and the only question they would ask people was, how many are coming? We never heard, how are they growing? What kind of discipleship are you doing? And I realize most churches would ask more than that, but honestly, in most cases, the numbers are of the most importance to them. Yes, numbers are a sign of healthy growth, one of many signs of healthy growth, I should say, but we are far too preoccupied with it, be that as it may, for better or worse, since my colleagues out there are concerned about numbers, who am I to not help? I'm going to help you in this cause. Now, with the advice I'm about to give you, please know everything I'm going to suggest will either increase the numbers of your church or at least give the appearance of greater numbers so that it looks better. Yes, it's time for another episode of How to Inflate the Numbers of Your Church with your old pal, Bob. Thank you. Thank you. I used to love the David Letterman show, and one thing he used to do every night was come up with a top 10 list. So I'm going to offer the top 10 ways to either make your church grow or make it appear that it's growing, as always, starting with the 10th and moving on to the number one position, the one of the most importance. Number 10, put mirrors up on the walls of the sanctuary during Sunday morning services. Number nine, count demon-possessed people more than once. Number eight, hold a special pool party and count each person as a new baptism. Number seven, start including people's pets in your altar call. Number six, promise the men that quiche will no longer be served during the Wednesday night potluck. Number five, give out less convicting answers to Bible questions. For example, pastor, what's the first thing a person needs to do to receive forgiveness of sin? Well, first, you must sin. Number four, tell people to raise their hands if they wish to get saved and join the church, and during the sermon, interpret hands covering up yawning as hands raised. Number three, offer as a special gift to new time visitors a coupon either to Taco Bell or Mexican food. Number two, count God. Since he exists as a trinity, that's an additional three members. And the number one way to boost your numbers in church for confessions, put in an express line, five sins or less. This is Bob Siegel making the obvious obvious.